This week, we celebrate our first anniversary of the Freedom Matters podcast. Join us as we discuss the ongoing controversial vote for U.S. Speaker of the House, the recent collapse of an NFL player before a live national audience of millions, and the meaning of entropic warfare. Gary also goes deep to expose how your Republican leadership in Tennessee is already surrendering ground on abortion. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. First of all, Happy New Year, Gary. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Kevin. Good to have you back. Thank you. On the show. Did you... Our special guest, Kevin Cookagee, who took a break over Christmas. <laughs> How <clears throat> dare you? Uh, did you do anything? I did. With family fun? I did. We had a phenomenal little break to, um, we did the Ark Encounter in the Creation Museum oh, up in right. Kentucky. And was it everything you expected? It was, it, 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 which is hard to do, especially for my wife. It exceeded our expectations. Mm. She'll really appreciate that I said that when she listens to this podcast. But it was phenomenal. <laughs> Wait, has she ever said that about you, though? <laughs> that I exceed that her? That you exceed her I'm expectations? Not a, I'm not sure that I've ever exceeded her <laughs> expectations. But we had a phenomenal time. I mean, the three boys <clears throat> loved it. Uh, I learned a lot being there. So I, I, I highly recommend the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum to uh, anyone. It is worth well worth your time. So before you left, you were talking about taking two days to go through it, right? And we, yes, and, and we did. Did you do justice in two days or does it take longer? I think? mean, yes, <clears throat> you can do it. I mean, the arc took, each took that full day and I mean, it, we could have taken a little bit more. So, yeah, any notion of doing either venue in less than a day, mm -hmm. don't, don't do it. <clears throat> I mean, you have to devote a minimum of one full day and the arc is full size, right? Yes. It, it's, it's like amazing. precise dimensions. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 51 feet high and, you know, 75 feet wide, something like that. I can't remember, mm. but you'd think I would know that having just been. But um, <laughs> it's incredible to be in. Really That's great. Is. No, no, it, it kind of whets my appetite to want to go. So, um, And, by the way, we should everybody should know this is episode 52. Happy birthday to... to the Freedom Matters Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is officially uh, one one year. We've done weekly episodes now for one year. So happy I can't birthday, believe it. Kevin! I, I thought, yeah, thank you. Happy birthday! I don't feel I don't feel any older. Um, <laughs> I might look older. I thought that's funny. I thought we started in February, but obviously we didn't. Mm. We started in January. Yeah, <clears throat> January. Time just... flies. Before we came on the air on the recording, Gary was busting my manhood for Miss. Uh, <laughs> misinterpreting the way that the House Speaker vote goes, which is actually going on live now as we record this. Today, we're actually recording it a day before we release this podcast. And Gary, give us an update. We're up to vote number four now for well, Speaker. Well, right now, as we're recording, they are, they are still in vote number three. And it is far enough along where they've determined McCarthy still does not have the votes. So there is already a projected fourth vote. Uh, which will probably take place in the next, you know, two hours from now. So you know the context of the dispute. I had wrongly described the process for McCarthy's or any House speaker as an up-down vote. I will tell you that I don't see any difference in the outcome based on how it's done. But Gary had misunderstood that McCarthy couldn't run a second time 
I had only said that it was an up-down vote. So I got bad information from my friends in D.C. and um, <laughs> or, or I'm just ignorant and misunderstood what they were saying. However, the good news is— Or they've illegally changed the process under <laughs> Pelosi's leadership, which is highly plausible. No, but the good news is, and a lot of people don't understand this, the importance of getting concessions. I don't, I don't think at the end of the day, this is about replace. It's, I don't think it's going to be possible to get someone with more votes than McCarthy is getting. It's about how long will McCarthy go before he gives reasonable concessions to those who want to see a change in the way that business is done uh, because they fear that the thing will be railroaded and handled um, not according to conservative uh, positions and isn't our own Andy Ogle still on the side of yeah yeah uh, currently there are, freedom currently there are nineteen <clears throat> holdouts currently voting for Representative Jim Jordan and not for McCarthy <clears throat> and uh, Congressman Andy Ogles Tennessee District Number Five is one of those nineteen so and by the way worth noting the only congressman of our Tennessee delegation that is joining with the conservative <clears throat> forces to oust uh, McCarthy so hopefully tomorrow morning. Or to this, reject a McCarthy-style leadership. Yeah, a McCarthy without concessions. Right. I think it, there's there's no question that uh, if you ask Chip Roy, if you ask Matt Gates from Kentucky, and the others who are part of this 19, they're not so much looking for someone else as they want to make sure that McCarthy, if he's going to be speaker, gives them appropriate concessions, puts certain people on committees, gives them real power and authority— not just to be uh, railroaded. And it's funny, Gary, because I'm sure you've read what's been happening today, even before the vote. McCarthy knew he wasn't going to win on the first vote, and he went. He goes and has this meeting with all of the other representatives. And as, um, what's her name, Bobert? Is that how you pronounce Bobart, her yeah. Bobert, yeah. Yeah, Lauren. Her quote was great. She said, here, here we're supposed to be getting, because she's one of the 19 mm-hmm. <clears throat> who opposes McCarthy, or at least McCarthy without concessions. And she said, we're supposed to be getting sworn in, and instead we're getting sworn at by, huh. by Kevin McCarthy and his minions, who aren't – they're not negotiating. They're just strong-arming. Yes. And, and they, and well, they, that, but that's what the establishment does. Yeah, they right? get upset. And they've said, we're not going to allow 5% to roll the other 95%. Right. Well, this is what a republic – this is the benefit. Here we're seeing displayed right before our eyes the benefits of a republican form of government. If this were just a democracy – then that's exactly right. Majority would have already won. Yeah, 95%. Heck, you would have won with 51%. So this is a really good thing, and we got to continue to support those who are standing. (laughs) They said it could be days long, so by the time this airs tomorrow, we may be at vote number 25 or something. Yeah, I can't can't remember if it was Federalist 10 or where it was, but I know at some point in the Federalist Papers, I know Federalist 10 does talk about factions and the tyranny of the majority, but, but I don't know if this is the one where they mention, you know, sometimes... The whole point of, of a Republican form of government, the point of federalism, is that sometimes the majority is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes? Yeah, right. You mean like maybe during 2020 the yeah. majority was wrong? You know, that's funny you say tyranny of the majority, obviously from the Federalist Papers. <clears throat> I had a constitutional law professor my second year uh, – second year? No, second semester, first year of law school who loved that phrase – but she loved it in the context of protecting leftist ideas because constitutional law professor, you know, most law schools. <clears throat> this was Temple University. And um, 
I didn't hear any of that coming from these same constitutional law scholars during 2020 or mm-hmm. during 2021. Nobody mm-hmm. was saying tyranny of the majority. It was, no, if you don't go along with majority, we recommend yeah, majority, you go to majority jail. Majority rules, or, right. Yeah, you're, you're a bad person. And they want to do away with the Electoral <clears throat> College now and everything. I mean, every, everything now for them is about majority. Well, because they, they, they think at least the, the perception that the media portrays is that they hold a majority opinion on these things. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is not true. But yes, the perception... Perception does a lot to, to instill fear in people. I know you love quizzes. <laughs> yes. So for the new year, I've got a new quiz with two parts. First of all, do you know what entropic warfare is? No. Okay. Do you know what entropy is? E-N-T-R-O-P-Y. Entro- is that like some kind of deep trauma? <clears throat> like, well, it could, has re- something to do with trauma, maybe? No, it, it, could, it certainly can create trauma, but... Entropy is the, um, the condition of, of breaking down, losing order, when something is losing order or losing a character of order, order and, and becoming chaotic. Okay. Um, All right. <clears throat> like chaos theory, things okay. of that nature. Okay. So, hold that thought. Okay. Entropic warfare. Now think of, uh, I'll just give you the letters. Well, so I would imagine be, <clears throat> somehow instituting chaos. Okay. Instituting chaos. Who is now engaged in entropic warfare against us? It's a trick question. Yeah, gosh. So, so, I mean, could could name several entities and names. <laughs> yeah, I guess Chi- I should define us, Chi- right? China, I mean, uh, you know, the, the the World Economic Forum, the globalists, the cabal, the the establishment, the, I mean, cor- the corporations. I mean, gosh, there's, there's so many yeah. so, different factions <clears throat> we could name. So the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, is definitely— And notice I named China first. Yep, I know. It's definitely engaged in entropic warfare— Against us, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote from a story here in a minute. <clears throat> but our government against our government against our society. But our government is engaged not against entropic warfare against China, but against its own, its own citizens. People. Right? Yeah, they're absolutely. trying to do the same thing to us. And um, as someone much smarter than I did once, because as I'm, many think they are being <clears throat> controlled by China. Yeah, to do so. So most people would understand the very basic premise that you can't win a war that you don't know you're in, right? Mm. So China has been for decades in a war against the United States of America. Key or or a key characteristic to that war is this notion of entropic warfare, which is they're using the entire culture against us. Everything that we see, whether it's fomenting racism, whether it's, and this is done through technology, right? Through bots and whatnot. Fomenting racism, anytime someone comes out with a position for freedom or against Biden, a lot of what you see in the social media sphere is not just naturally popping up from people, right? This is controlled through infrastructure. Well, one of the other ways that China has been engaged in this entropic warfare, and by the way, there's a great long video, won't quote from it because it's like an hour and a half video, that came out the week before Christmas on... um, the Epic Times does these videos. You've probably heard them, the American thought leaders, um, and they they interview people um, with all different expertise and uh, issues from all over the world. <clears throat> there was one by a woman. She was the guest. Her name is Cleo Pascal. And the title of this, you can find her video came out December 20th, uh, Inside the CCP and Tropic Warfare, From Shipping Fentanyl to Bribing Elites to Fueling Civil Wars. Mm. <clears throat> so even that title gives you a, a kind of an understanding. But let me, let me give you the short version. The Epic Times did kind of a summary of that 
video, <clears throat> and I want to read from it. However, I've got to get my glasses on. Funny thing, Gary, what, the reason I was late today, I couldn't find my glasses. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, I've got my glasses on. This is uh, December 20th, and the author's name is Jan. Wow, how do you say his last name? Jekielek. All right. The overstated goal of China is to be number one in the world in terms of comprehensive national power. So they call this CNP. <clears throat> in a relative sense, if you've knocked other countries down, you're doing better than they are. Hmm. So this explains, for example, why from a comprehensive national power perspective, it is beneficial to the CCP to pump fentanyl into middle America. Fentanyl destroys communities, it destroys families, it's real entropic warfare, creating this fragmentation, disintegration, and chaos within the target country. Pascal, who's a leading expert on China and Indo-Pacific region, breaks down the CCP's strategy in the region from promoting division and civil war to buying off the elite of small island nations. They learn from Japanese movements and American counter-movements in the Pacific during World War II, these islands and locations are strategic where you have to hold where the deep water ports are. <clears throat> Xi, Xi Jinping in particular, has staked his reputation on delivering Taiwan, but it doesn't stop with Taiwan. The CCP's goal is to push the Americans back out of the Indo-Pacific and push American functional operational capabilities, capabilities back to Hawaii. So <clears throat> she goes on in this video, which again, I highly recommend, Cleo Pascal, to to describe, and a lot of people are unaware of this, how many times do we hear politicians talking about, we need to deal with the opioid crisis, but mm -hmm. they never talk about the border. Right. They never talk about who's putting the fentanyl and opi opioids in general across the border, right? Don't deal with the problem. In the same way... No, we just we just fund millions of dollars to some program that's supposed to stop yeah, the opioid crisis. Exactly. And instead of dealing with the problem itself... Right. We go to, you know, putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, it's that same old, same old idea of right, the guy who breaks your leg. Don't deal with the guy who breaks your leg. Just put a cast on. You know, mm -hmm. we'll give you a crutch. We'll help you. And fentanyl is a huge problem. And it's, it's, it's never addressed by our politicians for what it is. They always want to have some social service program, as you say, to deal with it. And in ways that, I mean... We, we touched on it last time. We just, we just passed the budget, the largest budget in the history of the world, mm -hmm. right? And I'm sure if you dig down, there's, there's nothing that deals with the true problem. In fact, one more tie to this. Did you see over the weekend that, the, uh, that Biden went to did he spend Christmas or in between Christmas and New Year's, he went to spend in the U.S. Virgin Islands? Did you follow the story? I I think part of that story, that the headline that I saw was that they calculated that in 2022, the president has spent 40% of his time at Camp David or on vacation. Okay. 40% of 2022. But why would he vacation in St. Croix, which is the capital of the U.S. Virgin Islands? I don't know, but I feel like you do. Okay. So there is a governor— uh, he's a relatively new governor. I think he's served um, for two years now. His name is Governor Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, of the Virgin Islands. And um, he has – this governor has been very – the belief is – and I don't know this factually, but I don't have any reason to, di to um, dispute it. 
the Virgin Islands live off of federal taxpayer subsidies, right? And so the governor of the U.S. Virgin Islands has been petitioning Biden administration for whatever kind of money they can get, right? So it seems that there was a quid pro quo because the attorney general for the U.S. Virgin Islands, Denise George, I think is her name. Double check me on that. She has been pursuing some of the um, scandal related to the Jeffrey Epstein matter, okay? So Epstein's island, remember, is only a stone's throw from St. Thomas. I saw this. So she got fired. She got fired. She got fired. But the timing was she was checking into the connection between J.P. Morgan and other banks who were apparently <clears throat> giving favorable deals were not cracking down enough on what was going on with Epstein. She dug too high. So yeah, she she starts digging high, and what do you know? Lo and behold, Joe Biden happens to take a vacation to St. Croix, where the governor of St. Uh, Croix, the next day, fires, fires the yeah. attorney general. Attorney general. I did not put that together. Yeah, so if you want to know about the, the, so the, I saw that the AG of the Virgin Islands got fired after she pursued, but I did not know that Biden was there on vacation when that happened. So, you on know, just, vacation. Just, just a coincidence. Wow. Gary. Okay. So you see, it's not just China, but there's, but definitely the Biden administration is compromised. And um, you mean they hate us, the American people? <laughs> they, oh, yeah. They've declared war against us. Entropic and otherwise, I think I think it's pretty evident that it's more than just a <clears throat> breaking down culture. It's a direct attack. Wow. Thanks for putting that together. Yeah. So you want to talk about football? <laughs> so to speak. So, hey, the, uh, you know, last I saw, Cincinnati's up 7-3. <laughs> so Still up 7-3, 24 my, hours My later. homeboy from Louisiana, Joe Burrow, <clears throat> keeping it real. So I uh, was really excited to see him play until... You know, we saw this, you know, what some people call this incredible hit, what looked like to me the most routine hit Mm -hmm. in the history of football. Next thing you know, a 24-year-old professional football player in his, in the, in the, I would consider the the peak of his Mm -hmm. physical, you know, performance. Yep. Um, As anybody in the NFL would be, right? If you're in that league, you have to be in the peak of performance and condition drops dead from a heart attack <clears throat> or almost dead right? well drops dead they they had to do oh, nine right. minutes of cpr his heart his heart is he was dead he was dead and and for all intents and purposes he may be dead now and 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 on and well <clears throat> and frankly i mean think about it had he not been on that field in the middle of a game mm-hmm. where all of that medical <clears throat> gear was there at his beck exactly. and call he very well would be dead today. oh yeah yeah you have the best medical pro- professionals in the world at the game, right? With all the equipment that they with, need, within seconds. Yeah, if somebody's going to make it through that process, it's going to be then. It's the best place it possibly right. could have happened to him. Yeah. So you know, pray, praise God for him <clears throat> if if he survives <clears throat> this. The Lord may have been watching out for him there. What what better place to drop than right there in the middle of everything that you need? Yeah. So, oh, go go ahead. Well, but yeah. So this guy drops in. Of course, everybody is is talking about. I don't even know the word, Komodo, coital, coital, co- yes, whatever, blah, impact blah. In, in, in between the heartbeats, get that, that heart t- contusion. That typically happens, you know, to, to an average age of 15-year-olds with yeah, a baseball teenagers. striking their chest. You know, it's just, we're, we're going to come up with every excuse. But here's, here's what I want to, where I want to land on this. What was it, what was interesting to me, okay, is not 
that he dropped on the field in the middle of a Monday night football game. The most interesting thing to me was how the NFL responded. Mm-hmm. Because in, I mean, every, dude, football players have been hammered and, and, and paralyzed and, I mean, neck injuries. I mean, I mean, there's been some really serious stuff that has, ha- has happened to football players for the years, and the game goes on. And when you looked at what happened on this particular game, for the game not to go on to me was interesting. And I think it's because they know, mm-hmm. we know, <clears throat> they know that we know, we know that they know, they know that we know that they know yeah. that we're all thinking the same mm-hmm. thing. And in that moment, the NFL had no idea what to do. It's like they had been caught red-handed with yep. their hand in a cookie jar, and they've got a response. Then now they have to craft an immediate response, and they did not know what to do. Yep, <clears throat> they weren't prepared. And it, unlike right, we know, <clears throat> and our listeners would know, this has happened repeatedly, not in the NFL. It's, well, it's happened in the NFL, but it's happened not live in the NFL. It's right. happened to a practice squad player uh, ex-players, or ex-players. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, an ex-player from the Jaguars who was a big jab enforcer <clears throat> died, yep. what, the day before All yesterday? you selfish people <clears throat> to get the vaccine, and he's dead. Yeah, he was actually recommend. he said, those of us who don't take it should go to jail. That was his quote. Yeah. And, um, and he has a heart attack and dies because he probably didn't have... The medical professionals around him when he collapsed. To resuscitate him. Yeah, and the um, defibrillator. But when you have, I don't know how many millions of people watch, you know, a Monday night football game at this point. It wasn't, I don't know, a couple million at least saw this live. In addition to, what, 70,000 people in the stadium there in Cincinnati, there was no way that they could escape the impact. They couldn't, they couldn't censor it on Twitter. They couldn't censor it by pulling it down off of YouTube as it's shared. I mean, they could do that now. <clears throat> but the people who saw this live takes it to a whole new level for them as to how they respond. Let's, let's take this discussion to it. Let's expand upon this because I think it's important. What you talked about is, is the excuse that's being given. Quite possibly, this did happen, right? Quite possibly, he got hit on the heart between heartbeats to cause the heart to go into cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. It's not that that is not possible. But when you look at how the hit happened, as you say, a routine tackle, which not only was routine, but when I watched the media, the sports media last night talking about it, they explained former football players saying the reason this was so shocking to them was because it was a routine tackle, a routine tackle from which he stood up. And everybody admitted the hit was to the shoulder and the head. The hit wasn't to the chest. So it's a real stretch for someone to go out and say it was one of these events. And it doesn't answer the question about all the people who have died suddenly in the same fashion. When you watch that video and you watch him shake and fall backwards. And fall backwards. How many times have we seen that? He didn't. You know, when someone has a heart attack, in in my mind, at least when it's represented in a movie or what you think of someone, you know, they grab their chest, there's there's pain, there's facial expressions. I mean, he, exactly what you just said, it's just like what we saw on this Died Suddenly movie that Mm -hmm. came out. All these... These videos that are coming out from all over the world of people just it's like this all of a sudden they're they're ar- immediately arrested and their body freezes and they fall back and they fall backward they are <clears throat> our face forward they just the, the thing is wherever their moment they just drop yep. like everything stops that's what <clears throat> happened and that's not in my opinion what when I saw that happen 
that doesn't look like what my mind typically thinks of as someone having a heart attack. What well, was a heart attack, but not not a heart attack in in the ordinary sense, if yeah. you can say that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and even if that was the final cause, let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, the helmet did get to the chest and the impact did cause this. The very fact that we're not allowed to ask the question, mm-hmm. did injecting these people with mRNA experimental gene therapy have any did it accelerate it right did it change his condition did it do anything to change or or increase the likelihood right maybe he had a clot that would otherwise have allowed enough blood flow to go through for the heart to beat we and it, immediately though the so-called experts come out and say it can't be the jab yep. or, or they say it can't be the vax now what does that tell you mm-hmm. <clears throat> That tells you that they know that we know, right? The only <laughs> right. a guy with a guilty conscience immediately comes out with no, the guy's on the field, and they're saying, this can't be the jab. How do you know that? Have you done any tests? They've right. not even talked about it. But we can't ask the question, Gary. Yeah, and that's the problem. So I, I tweeted <clears throat> immediately when this happened. Um, I put this out. I said, you know, at some point, there will be so much truth staring you in the face you will knowingly continue lying to yourself so that you can pretend that the truth is not as bad as it really is, or you accept the truth and deal with it head on. America is making that decision right now. So true. So true. Think about this too, Gary. What did we see happening in real time? We saw players crying, right? We saw players Bending the knee in prayer. <laughs> Which was awesome to see. Yeah, it's it, <clears throat> so I, I've got two thoughts on that. It's awesome to see where were all the people who said, well, you, you can't kneel to pray, right? We, we heard nothing last night about transgenderism, right? We didn't hear anything about race and all the little funny slogans they have on the back of their helmets or what they paint in the end, end zone. You know, it takes everyone. Well, because it doesn't. The reality is, Everyone still couldn't do anything yep. to raise this man again from the dead, right? But then think about it from another standpoint. So here, first of all, we've got the media and all of the culture, all of the, I don't say all of the culture, that's not, all of the public culture that we see through social media telling us every day, there is no God and those who rely upon the Lord are idiots, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and we are the measure of our own success we are scientists and we have money, money consult. Again, we just passed the largest budget in the history of the world, yet not a penny from that budget can save this man's life. And suddenly, something that's completely out of their control happens. And what's the first thing they do? They're praying, right? They're not asking the government for money. Well, I have a, re- I have a rebuke to them. Some of those people were p- praying legitimately. But most of those people, I'm talking about the ones in the media, not the players, right? These people who mocked us, Gary, they were the ones who believe in Fauci. So go pray to Fauci. Mm. Fauci, make Fauci give this, make, have Fauci raise this guy from the yeah, dead. Pray, right? to your, pray to your God. Yeah. Pray to, um, what's his name? Klaus Schwab, right? Why don't you pray to Xi Jinping? Why don't you pray to Biden or Obama? Pray to your money. And all your power, or Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos, or Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates, the smartest guy in the world. Where was he? Why aren't you praying to him? 
I, I feel like mocking them like Elijah mocked the Baals. It's like, where is your God? Yep. Because this, our God is the only one who can raise him from the dead. And yet when it comes time, they, they mock us all during the comfortable moments. And then when they're under times of pressure, they're praying. All right, go pray to your God. Let me see. Let's compare our gods to see who is real. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point in, in terms of, uh, yeah, I love that that uh, hearkening to Elisha and the prophets of Baal, because that's exactly what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in that, isn't that humanity? I think we're all programmed to do that, though. We at the, Look, at the end of the day, we all know, I think, innately that whenever the proverbial poop hits the fan, mm-hmm. there's nowhere else to run, Yep. right? And um, so, you know, part of that, too, makes me think, what will it take? What will it take in the natural to cause America to return to God, to cause America truly to realize as a nation we have nowhere else to go, yep. and we cry out to the Almighty <clears throat> yeah. to heal our land. What what will it take? And that's what God has done through the history of humanity, right? Yes, and he'll <clears throat> do it. And he'll do it again. He, he will. All, he, he's doing it right. <laughs> he's speaking so loudly and clearly mm-hmm. right now on the football field. Am I live in control or am I not? Yeah. yeah. And and think about it this way too. To those who claim that. You know, we just all evolve from primordial blobs, and there is no God, and, and, and we are masters of our own domain. If that's the case, Gary, if we just evolve from primordial blobs, why in the world was anybody crying and expressing any dismay last night when this player dropped? Yeah, because what does his life matter? Yeah. Who cares? <clears throat> People die, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's their belief up until that moment. Yeah. But when the moment of reality enters the equation— they all prove that what we believe is true. Yeah, so I, well, I, would, I would postulate that. I think, again, as I stated earlier, the reason this game was so different and the reason the game was suspended is because they know we know all the things, right? They know there's something more to the story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what you're seeing from some people in terms of the prayer, I, th- I think it's, it's a prayer out of fear. Mm-hmm. I think people are realizing, oh, my God, this could be me, yeah. right? And, and so some of the folks that are saying it's not the vaccine, it's not the vaccine. Well, they have to say that. What else are they going to say? Yeah. Because if they acknowledge the truth, then they also have to acknowledge that could be me. Mm-hmm. If I'm caught, you know, by the way, I, there was an article came out, I think, from some major news source like Time Magazine or something. The uh, the or, the white supremacist origins of exercise. Oh, yes. That came out. Did of- you see that? <laughs> So absurd. <laughs> like so. You Just know, when you think it's, it can't get any more absurd. Yeah. But I think everyone's realizing, like, man, if wh- where am I going to get to the point of exerting myself where all of a sudden now my heart gives out mm-hmm. because I've taken this jab, you know? So I, I just think what you're seeing, too, is a, a, a physical guttural response to fear of having to acknowledge the truth of what of what we as people have been subjected to by pure evil. You know, yeah, that's where we are. No, you're right that fear fear is such a motivating factor. I know we've talked about that before. It was used by the enemy to force people into taking these jabs in the first place, right? Scare the hell out of them about this virus so that they think the only solution and the only thing to turn to is this drug. But yet I didn't hear anybody last night suggesting a drug that would get this guy no. off the field, right? No, doesn't they, exist. Yeah, Just they, prayer. <clears throat> 
Well, that that's a great way to say in this last segment, mm-hmm. I want to touch on, you know, because really the question is in my mind, and I, and I want to, I'm going to hearken back to the uh, kind of end of year message that I put out last week. The, the question we have to ask ourselves always, whether or not we're talking about politics or any area of our lives is who's in control? Are we in control or do we really truly believe that God is in control? Because in, in my estimation, as, I, as I've lived now for 44 years on this earth, I, I sort of come to the point that every decision I make really comes down to who do I believe is in control? Am I making this decision because I think I'm in control or because I understand that God is in control? And if if I understand that God is in control, I will be more prone to make what the world considers more radical decisions. Why? Because I trust God. Because I can make what the world considers crazy and radical decisions because I know that I'm not in control. And that translates to these men and women that serve in our legislature and serve in the halls of government. The the challenge that I put forward is we have to elect men and women that make decisions like they know that God is in control. And until we elect men and women like that, Mm -hmm. we will continue to be subject to the whims of folks that bow to China and everything Mm -hmm. else we talk about on this show because – they feel that at the end of the day, they are in control and mm-hmm. they can control outcomes. But we know, you and I know, and many people I'm sure listen, we know we can't control the outcomes. Yeah. And by the way, it's not our job to control the right. outcomes. It's only our job to do what is right. Yep. The outcomes belong to God Almighty. Yep. And so I, I, I want to sort of land in talking about we are already seeing the, the legislative session here in Tennessee kicks off in, you know, a, sh- a short week here uh, on January 10th. And already, Kevin, already we are as Republicans at least, we are ready to give up a a, a, a part of the abortion debate. It, it's in, it's important for everyone to understand that in Tennessee, and let me rephrase kind of the way I say this. I'm not saying we've we've fixed it and we've won in Tennessee because you know, it's still. I want to make sure we're clear. It, it, according to Tennessee law, it is still legal by some other means for a mother to kill her child, to abort her own baby. That the mother would not be criminalized <clears throat> under certain exceptions, right? No, no. What I'm saying in in under Tennessee does have currently the strictest law on the books in the country. Currently, it is illegal for any provider to right. give a woman an abortion. <clears throat> Okay, for any under any circumstance, mm-hmm. rape or incest, there's no exception. You cannot get an abortion from a from a medical provider in the state of Tennessee. However, it is legal in the state of Tennessee for a woman to procure some abortion pill or some other other yeah. abortifacient <clears throat> right. and on her own somehow give herself an abortion. The mother does not face any criminal penalty. Okay, so that is that that is the that is the next step mm-hmm. in the evolution on legitimately protecting the life that exists yep. in the womb. Because if we're relenting the argument that a mother can still kill her child, then we're really not protecting that life. Still does not have 
the constitutional right. protections that should own its life. And we're returning to, since we made reference to the Baals and Elijah, <clears throat> the Baals sacrificed their children. And right. so th- that, that, in fact, is more reprehensible to take your own child's life than it—I'm not saying that it's good for the state to do it or for some other party, but to take the life of your own child, doesn't that even hit you more guttural, right? Yes, more absolutely. Yeah. So, but my point in, in, in bringing this up is in the state of Tennessee, at the very least, where we have one, is we do have the currently under the, the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the strictest abortion laws in the country— and in the state of Tennessee today, it is illegal under any circumstance to give a woman an abortion unless it's to save her life, like in, in the case of an ectopic pregnancy and those types of things. But but there are no exceptions for rape or incest or anything. In Tennessee right now, we, do, we protect life unless the mom wants to kill her child on her own. But even, even with that, right now, leaders in the Republican Party – are drafting legislation to submit in this session to make concessions to now allow for exceptions to these abortion laws, for example, in the case of rape or incest. That's being debated right now. In fact, the Speaker of the House, Cameron Sexton, who has his eyes, by the way, on running for governor in 2026, Mm -hmm. Cameron Sexton has already publicly stated that he is, is willing to have these discussions in terms of the House on passing legislation that would build in some of these exceptions. So I just – everyone in the sound of my voice, I want to make sure that you understand that your Republican Party in the state of Tennessee on an issue that we've already won, we're already willing to concede Mm -hmm. and give back the spoils to those who lost. And under what motivations? What's pressuring them, do you think, to do this? My personal belief is that – I, I think when you look back at these last midterm elections uh, in November, we can talk about Mitch McConnell and all the ways that the establishment hosed conservatives and whatever. But I I do think it is a, le- a legitimate argument to make that a lot of people lost because of their pro-life stance. I think – and I, I looked into this in all the Gen Z research and stuff, but I mean abortion – is a huge issue um, amongst younger people, especially. And with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I think that was anyone that stood staunchly pro-life, I think it was an an uphill battle in some districts, right? And I think the Republican Party and some people are looking at that and and realizing that, well, maybe if, if, for for example, if I'm Cameron Sexton, Speaker of the House, and I'm thinking about running in 2026. Mm-hmm. I'm not only thinking about winning the Republican primary. I'm I'm sort of. I mean, we've had we we're, we've only recently become a majority Republican state. I mean, for the most part right. throughout Tennessee's history, we're a Democratic right. state. <clears throat> and if I'm Cameron Sexton, I'm just thinking straight politically. A- am I going to win a general election for governor in 2026 if I take such a hardcore stance on the life issue and don't make concessions when this issue even is contentious amongst Republicans? Because I'm definitely not going to get the Democratic vote. But I may if, if I make too strong of a stance on life, I may not even get enough of the Republican vote. And I think that's what that's what these people are thinking. Again, the thing that sucks about all this 
when you think about these people who lead our legislature, it's never about what's right and wrong. It's never about principle. It's mm-hmm. never about God. It's never about scripture. It's never about our founding. It's never about the Constitution. It's about one thing. Can I get reelected? Mm-hmm. And they are willing to compromise anything and everything that threatens their ability to get reelected. All the while promising us, of course, that you've got to let me do these things because if I get elected, that's how I'm protecting you. It's like, wait, you've just... But you're not. You've abandoned all of my (laughs) principles to get elected so that you can do what? Like, I don't want you to get reelected if you're not willing to stand on these principles. Mm -hmm. You've completely missed the point. And isn't it true that... Maybe this isn't public knowledge, but isn't it true that Cameron Sexton is having um, meetings over in Knoxville? And my question is whether these violate sunshine... Sunshine rules, right, where you can't... Kevin, you know there are a significant number of legislators that are heading to um, East Tennessee uh, as we speak this week to uh, to have some, some meetings uh, with our speaker. Yes, mm. so... And ostensibly, those meetings are for, right, voting on the speaker, but... Yeah. And that's how they avoid the sunshine laws, but... You don't think they're going to talk about anything else, oh, do you? Oh, no. No, I'm sure no there'll be legislation. no policy discussions <clears throat> will happen there. No, definitely not. Oh, wow. There will be no there will be no positioning and no vying and no deals made. No way. Yeah, they're just no. going to have a few drinks and uh, <laughs> celebrate the new year. Yeah, it's New Year's celebration. Oh, man. <clears throat> you know, when you were talking about, uh, there's something that, that I wanted to hit on and now I've forgotten it. You were talking, oh, think about the contradiction if under the the abortion policy that so many talk about, and in this when you're when you're talking here today about the mother being given the right to kill her own child, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Even where the state is denied the right and a third party provider, medical practice, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. But a mother is permitted to do that. <clears throat> and that's celebrated by certain parts of, of government and culture. Isn't it ironic that if that same mother would protect her child out of the womb from getting, let's say, an experimental mRNA vaccination, or when we had Rachel on here talking about how her children were taken away from her. Mm-hmm. By California DCS, yeah. yeah. So every state's Department of Child Services would love to intervene to pull the child away from the mother and, and accuse the parents of child abuse for a whole host of reasons which we would not think abusive. But when it comes to killing your child— mm-hmm. You're not only not interfered with by DCS, but they support you. They encourage you. They they provide money for you to do it. Heck, Gary, they provide you the drugs to do it. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, it's the it's the uh, the depopulation agenda at large, I think. But I, I also I, I, I that particular point is interesting to me, and I I want to say this. I've never. It's the first time. Actually, I've never said this publicly. I've never spoken about this. It was interesting running for state senate when you run for office i don't know how they find out you're of course i'm sure there's some database where all these organizations find out i'm a candidate but i got a slew of emails on all of these organizations wanting to fill out you know fill out this survey and that survey and that survey for a potential endorsement right and of course i got i got up and and they i think they legitimately were considering endorsing me um a national organization called students for life and I love yeah. Students for Life, and I think they do great work. And so I'm filling out their survey, and I'm I'm a hundred percent right all the way down the line, right. and until I get to the last question. What was that? The last question was, 
Uh, it's like a two-page survey in there. And it's not just like yes or no. Like, you know, I'm kind of writing out some things. But I can tell, like, yeah, I'm, we're in line on, on all these issues. The last question was, and they, and they make it very clear. They're like, as an organization, we will never advocate for legislation that criminalizes the mother mm. for an abortion. And we want your commitment mm-hmm. that you will never support legislation that criminalizes the mother. And knowing... And I'm just going to, I'm just yep. not tooting my horn. I'm just saying, knowing that this obliterated my opportunity to yeah. get an endorsement, which I very much wanted, by the way, because my opponent had already gotten Tennessee right to life endorsement. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I wrote them in a very kind, I said, look, I, I appreciate everything that you do. And, and I'm not saying that I would ever sponsor this legislation, but. If legislation ever hit my desk that in any way, shape, or form presented itself to defend life in the womb, including creating a criminal penalty for the mother who decided to kill her child, I would vote yes on that legislation. And I guess I lose your endorsement at this point, but that's where I stand. Mm, But you may lose their endorsement, but you are hitting upon an issue that I've seen written about now over the last year a lot. Um, people thinking the same way, saying this is the biggest weakness of the pro-life movement is that it has set aside the mother's decision to kill her own child as if that's not culpable, right? Yes, we know that the mother is unduly influenced, frequently left alone, right? Yeah. These are in, hor- without, in horrible situations. Yeah, bad, bad situations, yes. undue influence, uh, improper medical judgment, all of that kind of fear, all of that. Yeah. We're not suggesting that those factors don't weigh into the decision. But those factors weigh into decision of all of us every day of our life. Yes. And so yes. If, if I'm going to be charged with murder for killing someone outside of the womb, why shouldn't I be charged for murdering someone inside the womb if my position is that's a life, that's a child, that's a person that's that I'm right. killing? Why are we accepting the person who's actually most responsible at the end of the day Unless there's a situation, I know it's happened from time to time, where they actually forcibly take the mother and give her drugs to abort or, you know, do a DNC yeah. or something like that. But 99.9% of the time, the mother is consenting to that decision and going through with it. And we are being inconsistent. I think we're dishonoring God if we say that we are for life and that the child's life has value to God, but we <clears throat> we don't deal with the issue of the mother. And I think that would help the actual incidence of abortion to go down. I think that's one of the There's reasons no question. why. Yeah. So I, I want I want Tennesseans to pay very close attention to this legislative session. You will see things like this because what what I what the the point that I want to make and several points, but but the point about the party is there's no more of a lower-hanging fruit, an easier thing to hang your hat on as a Tennessee Republican than to be pro-life. Like, that Mm -hmm. is a must. It's a no-brainer. Yet, you see the Tennessee Republican Party leadership already willing to make concessions to a law that's already been passed. Yeah, already won the issue. So, Tennesseans, to all of you who think that, you know— your Republican representative is just a good, good Christian, good Christian guy, does everything right. I'm so thankful we have a Republican in office. I'm just, I continue to tell you, watch what these people mm-hmm. do 
when they're in the fire, when the heat is on, and when the vote comes up. Watch what they say in these committee hearings. Listen to the words that come out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. They, will, they will expose themselves, and they will show you who they really are. Pay attention to this session, which begins on January 10th. Amen. And uh, that about wraps it up, Gary. I think we've gone over time because we don't have <clears throat> our illustrious producer here. We're kind of alone. <laughs> That's right. He's still on Christmas or still New on Year's Christmas break. break. Yeah. <clears throat> no. Many thanks to him. And um, and happy New Year, everyone. And happy New Year, you, Kevin. Thank you. You too, Gary. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.